Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff. Are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Yahoo Sports NBA Podcast, hosted by Chris Mannix. From interviews. Let's bring in John Wall. He's Reggie Miller. Bring in our expulsion. To the latest NBA news. To insights you won't get anywhere else. Rioting is bad. You shouldn't riot. Past episodes of the podcast can be downloaded in the iTunes Store and Google Play. Why wouldn't you go back? Subscribe and leave a rating or comment. Here he is. Speaking of guys putting their foot in the road. Chris Mannix. Yes. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Yahoo Sports NBA podcast. Got a great show uh, lined up for you here. Two guests uh, all in studio. First up is uh, Sarah Kustak, the uh, great NBA analyst, works for the Yes Network, uh, does some work for Fox Sports. Uh, She joins me to talk about LeBron James' first comments since joining the Lakers. He had that this week while opening his new school in Akron, Ohio. We'll dive into that. Plus, Carmelo Anthony set to hit the free agent market. Should the Rockets make a big play for him? All that and more with Sarah Kustak. A little bit later on, Arash Markazi from ESPN.com. He joins me, and we take a deep dive into the Lakers from how LeBron fits in with the new pieces there to the future of Luke Walton, who certainly has an uphill challenge ahead of him. So a lot to get into with Arash. Quick housekeeping note, if you like this podcast, very easy way you can support it. Head over to Apple Podcasts, also known as iTunes. Post a comment, leave a rating. It's simple, it's easy, it's free. It's the best way to make sure we keep doing this podcast week after week. That's it. All right, let's go. All right, my guest this week, you see her pretty much everywhere. You can catch her on the broadcast for the Yes Network or the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, catch her on Fox Sports. You can catch her doing WNBA calls uh, for the Connecticut Sun, which you can see on a bunch of regional channels. She is the great Sarah Kustak. Hi, Sarah. Mannix, thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm having I'm you. having trouble. Um, mm. I'm having trouble looking at you with your new yeah. hairdo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is. I a, love it. It's a. I, I, <laughs> it's I a should great say, look. I, I, you know, I, I have refrained 
from putting the pictures onto Twitter. They're on Instagram. I wasn't going to bring it up. I hesitated, yeah. but the Twitter people should where, know. The yeah, Twitter is where I have the, the volume following. Like Instagram, I'm 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 kind of haphazard with it. I'm, I'm sort of there, sort of. That's a gentle thing. way to put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same thing. Oh, set, <laughs> first not, of all, settle, really settle down, social media star. Okay, seriously. We both have a lot to learn. We, yeah, we both yeah. have a lot of room to improve. So the the head shaved on Dan Patrick uh, earlier this week. It was uh, a traumatic experience to say the least. I am uh, proud of my hair, and I have not, never shaved my hair my head before. So. I am, uh, Is this spend the, the shortest next... that it's been since oh, you were without, two? Since since I came out of my mother, like that's the shortest it's been. I was right actually there. bald till I was two. Oh, well, that's interesting. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. So maybe it's a different story. Now, okay. so. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, you turned out okay. You got good hair, so you're uh, you're covered there. Uh, so yeah, it's um, I'll, maybe I'll post a picture too. I don't you know. You should. You should. Maybe I'll come out of my scare shirt. off the masses. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks for being here and. A lot I want to get into. I want to start with LeBron James. And, you know, before we get to the basketball stuff, LeBron was in Akron this week for the opening of a freaking new school. Now, I mean, that's incredible. This is not a charter school. It's not a private school. It's a public school for at-risk kids that offers additional support on top of what is called an enhanced education. It's called the I Promise School, and it's a joint venture between LeBron's foundation and the Akron Public Schools. How it's going to work is the school board will oversee the curriculum while LeBron is the primary donor. It's designed for a longer-than-normal school year. So this week, 243rd and 4th grade kids showed up. By 2022, the plan is to have 1,000 1st through 8th grade students matriculating through there. It doesn't end there. In a partnership with the University of Akron, thousands of students who complete the I Promise program will get a full scholarship to the university. Now, Sarah, we we, we go at LeBron a lot for, for basketball reasons, but... I think you'd agree. This is pretty damn cool what he's doing out there. Cool doesn't even describe. I mean, this is extraordinary. And you want to talk about someone who's making an impact and leaving a legacy? This is, I I got chills watching. We saw Rachel Nichols sit down with LeBron, but but just so many of the videos, hear him speak about why he was doing this. Um, And to your point, which I think can't go unnoticed, this is a public school, Mm -hmm. a public school for at-risk kids in the small details of the length of the school year, um, the length of the school day, Things about making sure that the kids have meal, breakfast, lunch, a snack, giving each kid a bicycle when they arrive because he understood how important that was for him to be able to transport himself. I, I just, I am absolutely blown away. And for a player who, to your point, has accomplished so much on the court to at this point in his life, in his career, the understanding of how he can use his platform, use his money, use what he has achieved on the court to, to make such a difference in the lives of uh, his own community, his own town with those kids. It's it's extraordinary. And I, I hope this is the start. And, and Jalen Rose, uh, you know, that's, yeah. he has his, uh, there, there's other people, David Robinson, there's people. I hope though, this is something that many players in the future um, w- will start to think about or start to think about how they can also do things um to to make just such a tremendous difference in the lives of young kids and and i can't say enough about it i think it's it's amazing i think players will too i mean like one of the hardest things of of starting a school is like the the mammoth undertaking of what it means to start a school like partnering with with a a local city but you know with lebron kind of 
putting the blueprint out there. I mean, players have money. They put it into foundation. They, they're very Absolutely. charitable. I mean, I think how that LeBron's kind of set this up. I think a lot of players, and we've seen like on social media, guys, like players remarking at how freaking cool this is. I think you'll see more and more of the, the top tier players who are looking for some place to put their money yes. charitably do yes. stuff like this. Yeah. You couldn't have said it better. And and that's a part of it. And just communities understanding that talent and how it works. And to your point, logistically, how to make it happen. And uh, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, it really is. All right. So we applaud LeBron James uh, for doing that. Now, as far as basketball goes, uh, James spoke to reporters for the first time uh, about the Lakers. In interviews, he praised Magic Johnson. He praised Rob Palenka. He expressed excitement about the additions of Rondo, of Lance Stevenson, of JaVale McGee. He reminded Rachel Nichols that when he went to Miami, the Heat were, you know, not a good team, 35 and 47. That, of course, a little misleading because the Heat had a superstar there in Dwayne Wade and added two in LeBron and Chris Bosh. The Lakers, for now, they only have LeBron James. LeBron says he has no expectations yet for the Lakers for, uh, for next season, but doesn't see this upcoming season as a rebuilding one. From a basketball perspective, Sarah, what were your takeaways from LeBron's brief media tour uh, this week? I, I loved everything that he had to say, and I do believe of a lot of what he said well, it was very accurate, and, and we can get into, we don't need to get into the minutiae of his decision, the background behind it, how he's spoken about the importance of understanding family, I think his want and desire to go to Los Angeles, but I think the, the major factor in what Jeannie Buss decided to do, the changes within the organization the last few years, Magic Johnson, Rob Palinka, um, the direction they started to put the franchise in, it was a major factor in him getting there. And we start to look at the roster and the personnel. And, and for the Lakers, I mean, you look at the last five, th this is a historic franchise and they've missed out on the postseason the last five years. Last year was their first 30-win season of those five years. And only twice before in Lakers history had they had sub 30 win seasons and both of those were back when the team was still in Minneapolis so like this the turnaround that needs to take place within this organization it is huge and I think you know to what did they have 35 wins last year 37 yep. something like that, that I mean to me like making the playoffs would be a step but I have a hard time thinking that there's I mean, Golden State in a class of its own. Houston, I would put Oklahoma City up there. But after that, you tell me that, you know, there's going to be five other teams that are better that don't have LeBron on it in the Western Conference, despite how tough this Western Conference is. So I think that LeBron understands what it's going to take with this group. There's a, there's a lot to be excited about with the young players in the Lakers. I, I like, I know there's probably some head scratching moves with a handful of these players, but I like it. Like I, I think Rondo and his savviness and the way in which he was able to play with new Orleans, how he can hopefully t compete, teach mentor, you name it, a, a player like Lonzo Ball, I think Lance Stevenson is going to bring some dog to that team. Like they're, they're going to need some of that. Um, and you go down the list that, you know, there's probably some combustible pieces or things that can go one way or another. But I think LeBron likes that. I think he embraces the challenge of that, embraces the challenge of different players 
on a roster that you know he can help along, he can bring the best out of. And I think more than anything, so many of these guys are on one-year deals. So mm-hmm. it, it's one season to kind of figure out who exactly fits, who fits around LeBron, the style of how they want to play. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how that actually unfolds and in, in how they do use LeBron and in the pieces that they put around him throughout the course of a game. But uh, I think there's good things happening, and I think rebuild, it's, it's tough to say rebuild because the Lakers have been on a rebuild for the last couple of years. But I think that they have drafted well. I think the guys, the young guys that they have brought in, um, you know, with the Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart as well, I think they're, they're on the right trajectory. And I think adding a guy like LeBron to lead the way of that is, is something that's a very positive sign for their organization. Well, look, the, the team they put together, there's not going to be – there's no long-term impact of, of these guys. You pointed out a lot of one-year deals uh, on this roster. All that being said, I could not disagree with you more about where they rank in the Western Conference hierarchy. You I don't mean, think look, they're in, the, in that bottom mix? Of- I do not believe I, – I, as I sit here right now, I don't think the Lakers make the playoffs. Oh, I can't wait to put on another bet for you to shave your head. <laughs> My head is never getting touched ever again. That's not happening. I'm, I'm growing a mullet over the next six months. That's what to, to counter all this. Anyway, you mentioned the teams that like at the top and and where a LeBron uh, led team would fit into that mix. I, Houston's better than them. Golden State's better than them. Yes, I think Portland is better than them. I think Oklahoma City in year two with that group. Is I like Oklahoma. Them. I would put Oklahoma City up with I, Golden State. Obviously, they're in a class of their own. I would I would group Oklahoma City right there with Houston. Yes. Um, Utah. Utah, so I think Utah's is better. better. Than Utah's better. Uh, the Pelicans, I think, take a step back. I don't know how big a step. Uh, because Rondo, the dirty little secret about Rondo is that he's not great in the regular season. He's great in the playoffs, but playoff Rondo versus Roger, you know regular season Rondo are two entirely different things. I don't think the Spurs fall off a cliff. They won 47 oh. games last year with Kawhi playing nine of them, um, you know, nine overall. And they added DeMar DeRozan to the mix, so I think they'll be right there in that same level. And Minnesota's going to be better. I mean, they'd be more than... They'd be a better than 47-win team last year if Jimmy Butler didn't miss all that time but you, at the end of the but season. But you're telling me that you don't think that they're all in the set. Like, I, I would say that the Lakers, the Spurs, Minnesota, Portland, toss, you know, I don't know where we think the Pelicans are going to fall. Denver will be a little bit better. The, yep. the Clippers. Uh, but, but to me, the, the, that whole mix, that bottom four, is I, I would put the Lakers right in there. In that. Yeah, but what are those teams, the teams in the bottom four, um, and I guess you take San Antonio out, that you can probably eject them back in because they're so good at, at with their system yes. and incorporating yes. guys. These teams have continuity. Denver's got the same guys. Add Isaiah Thomas to the mix, but he's a backup there. Minnesota, right now anyway, continuity. Uh, San Antonio, Minnesota's Utah. is going to be interesting to watch, though. I mean, they will. I, they're I a little combustible that, but too. But there's they're, there's there's moving parts with them. But they, ab- absolutely, if, if somebody gets if somebody gets dealt, Phoenix, that, that's Phoenix a, is going to be interesting. Like eh, you you not, don't think that no. they'll make a jump? No, I mean a jump from twenty one to like twenty five, like thirty. Hey. <laughs> I I look look I, the, my biggest thing with the Lakers is that I don't think that they get off to a fast start. I, I think it's impossible to get off to a fast start in that conference with that type of team, which is going to be asked to play a style LeBron's probably never played, or at least hasn't played so, since he was early in his Cleveland tell, career. What do you think, and I don't know the answer to this, none of us do, what do you think about that? Because we all know 
and, and we've been talking about this probably for the last few weeks or whatever the date is now that LeBron mm-hmm. had decided to go there about LeBron typically being thriving, being surrounded by shooters and, and being the guy with the ball in his hands and being the playmate, him desiring as they head into the season or now in the off season. So things are just on paper now, mm-hmm. but to have playmakers and, and have these different pieces that he wanted more playmakers on the team that he cared about guys bringing a defensive. Pr- do you think that? Do you think that's I, I the think way that's... that the Lakers ultimately end up playing, or do you think it, at some point when push comes to shove, it, it is best to have LeBron facilitating? I think it's best to have him facilitating. I think it's great in theory to add playmakers around him. We both know that you know Ty Lue publicly and privately was not thrilled with uh, LeBron being the de facto point guard all the time. He didn't want that for him. At the same time, you have him playing that role because he's the best with the ball in his hands in the NBA. So you're you're asking to take the ball out of his hands and put it in the hands of Rondo, who's great. I mean, Rondo with the ball in his hands is smart. Uh, But Lance makes a ton of mistakes. Lonzo Ball just could be a second-year player. Uh, I just think, Sarah, we're going to get to around Christmas, and this is going to be a 500 team. And I'm not sure that if they're a 500 team around Christmas, that in this conference where once again, I think we'd both agree it's going to take comparable wins to get to the playoffs in the Western Conference it did last year. In that conference, I don't know if they have the the firepower to rally in the second half of the season. I, I don't disagree with you that it'll take some time, but I'm not convinced that the same can't be said about the handful of the other teams in this grouping. I, I, to me, how does Minnesota start? I mean, we, we went through the list, but mm. San Antonio, as, as DeRozan figures out how he fits it, we know the Spurs have their system, but they've also lost. I mean, I think the loss of Danny Green is big. Like, I, I think that's all we talk so much about Kawhi, but Kawhi's gone. Danny Green's gone. There's a whole different feel. I know Kawhi only played nine games last year, but to me, you look at all of these teams and, and maybe short of Denver. Uh, the Clippers have a, a whole new group. I mean, Portland has lost some of their less notable, but but key pieces on that team. Mm-hmm. So uh, to me, I, I see what you're saying, but I, I could make that argument, I feel like, with a lot of the, you know, New Orleans is different this year. So to me, there there's the same thing that could be said about a handful of these other teams as well. So as we sit here, I'll say, Lakers number nine in the Western Conference mix. Where do you have them? I didn't. I didn't start to put numbers on my bottom half, <laughs> but but I would say I don't hold me to. But I I would put them at seven. I I could put them as high as six. I would put them six through eight. I would have them in. I would have them in the top eight. That okay. I could tell you for, for right now. I I would go Golden State, Houston, Oklahoma City, Utah. After mm-hmm. that, it gets dicey for me. But I would absolutely have the Lakers anywhere between five. Man, you're, 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 I'm high on them. Are you that worked up about the loss of Ed Davis in Portland? I mean, what, what are we doing here? Careful. Like, are we that? Brooklyn Nets. We, Brooklyn Nets. Oh, 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 it all comes together. Brooklyn oh, Nets. Oh, Davis. I've now figured it major, out. Major, major loss. Uh, Shabazz <laughs> Napier. That's, oh. these play, you know, I. <laughs> Good for the Brooklyn Nets. I think they've got some guards that can cover the losses. Good, for the, good for the Brooklyn Nets. I am excited <laughs> about those individuals in a, a loss. But, but no, Ed it, Davis, it, one of the great guys. One of the great guys oh, in this he league. Is, he, yes. he absolutely is. He absolutely is. <laughs> I am excited to be able to, to call his games on a regular. Uh, but no, but, I, but I, would put, I would put the Lakers in that mix. I would put them five through eight. 
Interesting. Okay, I, w- nice. I don't bet. I, I just feel like LeBron, the, you, you don't, I, I just wouldn't count against him to, to get a team like that with, with pieces that have shown in a bit. Like I, I do, I'm excited about some of the young guys. And I think the, the different players that they brought in, it's, you know, I not competing for a title. They're not competing for a championship, but I, I can't imagine LeBron missing out on the playoffs. That, that team is clickbait city out there. That's for sure. And it's going to be one of the most, maybe the, no, it's by far the most interesting team. You're going to be watch. spending a lot of time out in LA. I man. I, I, LA. Like, I just moved to California. Like, I know, thought all north, we were going to be talking to... about was Boston on this podcast, to be no, honest. No, we're, we're, we're done with <laughs> I, thought the, until... I, I thought the Celtics was, was what we were keying in on. No, until another player becomes available, we could start the conversation about, look, Look at all the assets Boston has. <laughs> like they can make a deal. No, no, we're we're good with the Celtics for now. I, I do want to get into the last remaining piece on the free agent market. And that's Carmelo Anthony. The Hawks this week officially acquired him, and they are buying him out. Carmelo's going to give back a reported two and a half million bucks, which is right around the veteran minimum that he'll get uh, from his next team. It sure seems like Sarah, like the Rockets will sign Carmelo Anthony. But my question for you is. Given what we know about Carmelo, he doesn't want to come off the bench. He's coming off the worst shooting year of his career, right around 40%. He's a defensive liability. Should the Rockets sign Carmelo Anthony? Yes, because to me, why not take a chance at a player who, you said all the things about last season, we understood, you know, even he came out and said the fit in Oklahoma City his reluctance uh, to be kind with it about coming off the bench. But it's, what, $2 million for the Rockets? And to me, he doesn't make them, I I know there's been, he doesn't make them worse by any stretch. So why not take a shot at that and see, see what he could do. And I think a, a guy like Chris Paul, the fact that he is so close to him, he does respect him so much. Um, I, I believe that there had had to be conversations and dialogue about what he's getting into, what's expected of him. Um, with the loss of Trevor Ariza, the, there is an opportunity for Carmelo to start, whether or not that actually takes place and what happens with the way their roster looks. But, you know, likely, will he be closing games? Probably not. Uh, but to me, Carmelo... This is his second opportunity to buy into the fact that he's at a different phase of his career, but he has an opportunity to play with a contending team, which I know sounds a lot like the same things you would say about Oklahoma City. But mm-hmm. he's still a player who you can have anchor a second unit. They got Eric Gordon, who I, I think is a special player, but you could have him anchoring a second unit coming off the bench if need be. I think he would be a player that can add a lot offensively and He's a defensive liability, but there's a lot of defensive liabilities in the league. So, um, you know, I I don't think I think the comparisons get tough because you're not comparing this team to last team last year. Is he going to be what Trevor Ariza was for this team? Absolutely not. They lose. They've lost a lot with Trevor Ariza, but you're not making a decision between Ariza or, you know, you already lost Mbamute. Mute. Like those type of things have already come and gone. So for the Rockets, why not take a flyer on a player like Carmelo? Melo Anthony that could add something and if it doesn't work it doesn't work yeah I'm with you on on where they are right now why not it's a one-year deal it's the minimum contract most likely uh, there's no downside at this point I just think it's disappointing that Houston couldn't bring the band back together that, that maybe there yes. wasn't yeah there yes. wasn't enough of priority to say look we were a 65 win team we had the Warriors on the ropes before Chris Paul got hurt why not bring this whole group back together because they will be 
radically different than what they were last year. I mean, Trevor Ariza was a massive part of the fabric of that defensive identity. He could guard multiple positions. He was versatile. Uh, Luke Mabamute, more in the first half of the season, maybe than the second when he got hurt. Um, he's a he's a terrific defensive player. You insert Carmelo Anthony into that starting lineup, which I assume is going to be the plan at power forward, and you go from probably, what they were what, a top 10 defensive team this past year, to probably somewhere in the 15 to 20, maybe beyond uh, defensively. And that just changes you know who you are. I mean, I I looked at the Rockets last year and, and it, it bore out as being a true threat to Golden State. As this team is is being put together with Carmelo Anthony, I don't see them being the same level of threat because they can't do the same things defensively with Carmelo in that mix. No, and I loved as as someone who just loves to watch the game. I loved watching them play defense. I mean, the way to your point, what the the system put in, what Jeff Bostelic had inserted systematically, but the way that they were able to switch and the versatility that they had, the the mindset they had, and that's why I think a lot of people have picked apart. Oh, how many games did Trevor Ariza miss? What did he exactly do? Bamute, the time he missed in the post. What did to me? It was the totality of all of those players and how they changed what they did on that end of the floor. And their success to me was predicated on uh, on the switch of, of defense in mm-hmm. the powerhouse that they became. But but again, that I, I'm bummed that they are not back, that that group is not back, given how close they were to knocking off Golden State. But, but that's the hard part of differentiating. Every time we look at this or every time there's a t- discussion about Carmelo Anthony, it, it's not about last season because that's, that's not an opportunity for them anymore. They decided to let Ariza go. So, and Mbamute goes. So, it's, to me, it's it, the comparisons, you can't really make them because it's a, it's a different group at this point. And so I, it, it continues to me to go back to why not add Carmelo Anthony then? If that, he's the guy in the market, you're, you're paying, as we had mentioned, uh, you assume a vet's minimum. Why not give it a shot and see if with his good friend and Chris Paul and with a, you know, a desire you would expect to change the shift, the, the dynamic where his career was going, why not give it a shot? Yeah. Now, Carmelo gave an interview to Jamel Hill over at ESPN recently, and he kind of reiterated what we we know about him that he's not ready for that type of bench role. But and I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, kind of said that he knew when he would be. Do you think we're going to get to the day that it clicks in Carmelo's mind that being a sub can extend his career, that he can maybe be a contributing player on a championship team as a sixth man, or? Is he going to have kind of Allen Iverson syndrome, where if he's not a starter, he's not going to be interested in playing? Uh, That's a question that I have no idea, and only Carmelo knows. And I think that, you know, for every play, I'm not going to judge a player on on how they want to attack and approach finishing their career, especially a a perennial all-star like Carmelo is. Uh, But I believe that Houston gives him the best opportunity to understand that and to make that click and to figure that out. Um, And I do think there may even have been a shift. I mean, remember when he was at Oklahoma City and he wasn't thrilled about moving to the power forward spot and to play Mm -hmm. in the four. So like that, that's another shift. So I think, you know, it's a work in progress. I have no idea. And does it happen this season? Who knows? But for Carmelo's sake, I certainly hope so, because he's a a player who I've loved to watch, and he's got a very decorated career in terms of what he did 
uh, with Team USA and, you know, a lot of his individual and personal accolades. But this is an opportunity uh, for him to be in position to be a part of a winning team and to hopefully have the right attitude as he approaches it. It's it's what would punctuate a Hall of Fame yeah, career. Yeah, and he I should. Mean, he should. Yeah, he, he should because he, he is, in my opinion, the greatest USA basketball player to ever play because of the number of years he played and you know the contributions and how he was part of that team that dug out from the the O two disaster uh, back in O four. Um, he's made a ton of money. He's basically the Darrell Rivas of the NBA. I mean, he's just you know he always goes for the money and always gets himself a great contract and he's put up numbers that are are, in, are obviously worthy of the Hall of Fame plus the college championship. Yeah. So he's got everything but being a contributor to it, a winning NBA team and the bench is the only way he's going to do that. The Rockets are not going to win a championship with Carmelo Anthony as their starter. I don't believe it. But if he goes somewhere else next year, uh, wherever those contenders may be, let's say Golden State breaks up and the field opens a little bit, it's an opportunity for Carmelo to, to, to add that one page onto that resume that's just not there yet. And I think that's the important thing to remember. We're looking at this next season, but a, a lot can change. I mean, we know how many yeah. free agents uh, are are on the list for 2019. Teams will then have more money than you know the dried up uh, money that was here this offseason. So uh, a lot could shift. Yeah. Well, let's, let's talk about one of those prospective free agents. Uh, one Kevin Durant. Uh, in Golden State, signed his one plus one earlier this month, uh, showed up at USA Basketball training camp. And this is in the aftermath of uh, a nice little uh, Twitter podcast debate. This is a, such a, a 2018 battle, right? A podcast leads to a Twitter fight with uh, CJ McCollum. You do the, realize uh, this is going to happen to us after this. Uh, yes, yes. We're going to be, be clapping be back at each other. Manix, yeah. I came on your podcast. Mm. Your, your head, your, I could see the shine off your head, you know, all those things, yeah. Um, let me ask this first. If someone's covered Durant like you have over the years, why do you think he keeps clapping back at everyone, whether it's CJ McCollum or, you know, Steve-O1237 on Twitter with the Eggbot uh, avatar? Why do you think he keeps doing it? I, I don't know, and I don't know any of us know, and probably only Kevin knows, and I think that... It's hard to understand because we look at these professional athletes and assume that they should just have this shield of understanding that a part of a part of the job, which it is, and you know we we feel it as well. Part of the job is getting criticism, and you're going to have people that constantly, you know, for as much praise as you get and for as much as you are celebrated. There's also the flip side of things. Uh, for Kevin Durant, it, I just it makes me sad because. Goodness, he is such a talent um, to be one of the you know top few. We'll, we'll leave it a top three players in the world. Uh, how much he has accomplished, the type of individual. I mean, we've dealt with. He couldn't be a, a nicer guy. How much he's given back to the community and where he's played or back at his hometown. So. I'm not sure why it digs into him so much when, you know, when some of these comments come about. And to me, you know, I can't answer that. I don't think any of us can answer that. Uh, but I just wish that he had some people around him because I, I think everyone feels it. No one likes to hear negative comments. No one like, likes to hear um, people saying things about you or decisions that you make. But 
I think the difference with him, he he often reacts so quickly. And, you know, I think in my head, I wish he had people around him. Tell, just put down the phone, get off Twitter, get off social media. If it's, you know, if it's toxic to you, then maybe just don't even allow that to creep into what you're doing on a daily basis because you're, you know, you're in the stars of, of everything that you're accomplishing professionally and even personally. Um, you, what he's done for other people. But it just, um, I, I don't have an answer for it. It, it just bums me out um, because I feel like I hate that w- when it comes to Kevin Durant, this is the topic that we're talking about. I don't think the podcast with McCollum was a great look. I, I don't think, I, I know some of it was tongue-in-cheek and 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 KD said at the USA Basketball stuff that he and CJ were cool. But I, I, I listened back to it to, you know, and, and him saying like to CJ, like, come on, you're not going to win anything. Like, you know, you're not going to do this. Like, I mean, it, you're on basketball Voltron out there. I mean, you're like, you're on the, the, the superest of super teams that you could possibly have. And you joined up with them. Like you went there and I don't blame you for it. Never have. But I, I didn't, I didn't love the, the kind of condescension that he, that he, he kind of had in his voice when talking to McCollum, who's one of those guys that who who's I think Sarah, honestly, McCollum's one of those few guys that, you know, lends voice to thought, like says that, you know, uh, come on, DeMarcus Cousins, really? We're doing this? Um, yeah, I, I, I know that a bunch of players around the league, you know, think that. They just choose not to engage in the social media aspect of it. Uh, I didn't love that look for him. No, and I'll agree with that. But uh, again, I think there's times people look at different relationships or think they're being funny or, you know, they're, they're trying to, they're on, whether it's a podcast or whatever forum. And, you know, I, I'm not sure if that's how he would talk to CJ off the air and, and mess around with him. So that's what he did on the air. So to me, it's all different scenarios that to your point, it's just, it's just a bad look. And it, it oftentimes gives people more ammo to go at him for different reasons and different things that that are necessary. Uh, mm. But but I'm curious, you know, I, I'm curious how that plays out. And, you know, it's at some points you just wish that he would maybe take the high road or not react that way, given the fact that he is at the place where he at, is at with the Golden State Warriors, with the team we're at. But, but to me, that's what, and I don't know, but that's what makes me think that he'll leave. That's what makes me think that at some point this is going to either eat at him enough or be in his head enough or make him want to prove to people that he needs to go somewhere else on his own to yeah. try and compete for a championship. Well, let's let's dive into that a little bit because he did sign the one-year deal. Um, at the end of this next year, he's going to be, you know, from his Golden State time, some $80 million richer from on-court income and probably have three championships as he turns – uh, 30 years old so he's going to have a blank canvas to end you know the the final stages of his prime and and however long he's able to play um you know there's a lot of talk about options out there let me just give you my 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 lay of the field there I, i'm with you that i think he leaves um it's a little murkier where he might go a lot of people connect him to los angeles i really believe sarah that when you get to a point that kevin durant's at you don't want to start helping LeBron James win championships. You want to be the guy that eclipses LeBron James in championships. You want to be the Kobe of this generation, the Michael of this generation. So having that third title, I think, is an obstacle in Kevin Durant signing with the Lakers. Some people have said Washington. Unless KD has done a 180 on how he feels about playing at home, I don't see them being in the mix. Some people have said the Knicks. Okay, I, I kind of buy that because it's New York and Porzingis is there, but would he need another player to go there with him, and would the Knicks have the, the requisite cap space 
to bring in those number two players. The team I keep going back to, and I said this on Fox last week and caused a little bit of a minor stir. I, I heard you. Keep it I coming. Did. I heard you. I keep ya. going back, Sarah, to Oklahoma City. And I understand all the financial stuff involved with Oklahoma City and what they have with, with George under contract and Westbrook under contract. But I also know, and some of the stuff you said there, with, with all the people kind of sniping at him, the social media stuff and, and, and everything else, it, it, it's the only place he can go to where all of it stops. Like, it all becomes quiet. You go back to Oklahoma City, and you don't get that same uh, social media, you know, uh, you know, crap, really, for that. Um, you, you do that, and, and that changes things up. You go there, and you have a chance to, to be on a, a, another sort of super team is with it, George. So this is assuming George and, and Russ are both I'm assuming still that there. Those, those two those pieces two are pieces. still there, and everything else is on the table for, you know, Steven Adams or something like okay. that is, is available to be moved. But we know that there's been no bridge burned with Oklahoma City. Um, has Sam it, Presti has said the right things at all times from that end of it. And we also know that at this point, I don't know what the relationship is like, but the relationship with Westbrook is as good as it's been, I would argue. You do I mean, think so? I was going to ask you. you think I think it's as good as it's been. I don't think it's great, but I think, it, I mean, he went from yelling at him on the court that first game back to, you know, scrimmaging with him at USA basketball practice. So it's like, or like, or whatever they were doing, whatever video I saw of them uh, together. So I think it's okay. And you know Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook wants to win. So if Kevin Durant says, I want to come back there, I don't see Russell Westbrook blocking that from ultimately happening. No, but I also don't see anything changing in, and this isn't a knock on Russ by any stretch. I, I don't think anything changes in how Russ plays. And the decision for Kevin to leave and go play at Golden State, a large part was he talked about style of play and the way the team played and the free-flowing offense and uh, the way in which the ball moved and didn't st- I don't think any of the actual stylistic ways that the Oklahoma City Thunder play at with Russ and then you add in Paul George, I, I don't think any of that changes. So I don't see why Kevin all of a sudden would shift what he wants and look what he's looking for and my turn, your turn, this is how we're playing mm. to go back to Oklahoma City. And then you but add, don't, don't you you add think, in a third piece like yeah. Paul George. But don't you think the frustration for uh, of playing that way is alleviated to some degree by the fact that he's already going to have three championships? Nope. You don't nope. think so? no. I don't think that because two once you taste a way of playing and you enjoy a way of playing and no because I don't think it's a bad I I don't I don't think him leaving or not liking that style of play also what because you look at that when he left I mean the the biggest issue was that Oklahoma City had a chance to beat Golden State so mm-hmm. if to me if that was the case if that was strictly it, that maybe he would have stayed in Oklahoma City. Maybe that would have been a part of we can figure out a way to beat this team. So I like to me that I I think he could figure relationship wise and off the court on the court. I think he could f- figure out being around Russ. Like I I don't think that's an issue. I think he would be welcome back with open arms in Oklahoma City. Uh, I I think PG would you know all of those things. I absolutely think that could work. I think the sticking point would be that nothing has changed with how the team would actually play and how things would run with him being back there. And I think now, having understood the way Golden State plays, the, the beautiful way in which they play basketball, I think now that's what he wants. And and I'm I'm someone who I think, and not, I have no idea if it, it may happen, I like the idea of the Knicks. I think mm-hmm. that for him, when it comes back to 
wanting to prove people wrong or wanting to take on the idea of having your own team. And in, in the, these days, everyone, you know, you say own team, you, you need to max match up with other superstars. Uh, but you bring up Porzingis in there. But to me, that that is fascinating because you go to the Eastern Conference you have an organization, so many of the things that we talk about with LeBron going to the Lakers, same could be said for, I actually not even because it, it has been so long, but the same could be looked at with Kevin Durant going to the Knicks, the opportunity for an entire city in New York. And, and we know what's that like to fall in love with a player that could resurrect a franchise and an organization. There's obviously shifts with David Fisdale taking over. So to, to me, that's just very, very intriguing to me, um, given everything else with Kevin Durant in his persona that we've seen as of late. Yeah, and I think the Knicks are doing all the right things uh, this season, not tying themselves yes. to long-term deals yep. and just trying to behave like a functional franchise. I mean, I've That's I've just that, yeah. I've dropped I've drop kicked the Knicks so much over the last, you know, 15 years for what they've done, but, you know, Scott Perry, st- you know, stabilizing the front office to some degree. I think Fizdale's a good coach. The jury's still out of Fizdale's a great coach. I mean, he only has a year plus as being a head coach, but you know, I like that. I think decision. he's a likable. I think players very like and play, players, yes. yeah, players connect with him, no question. So, um, I think they're doing all the right things, and I think they are a, a strong candidate there. But I tell you, I'll say this much: if Kevin Durant winds up in Oklahoma City and the Lakers miss the playoffs, I'm taking the mother of all victory laps against you, like right now. Like that's just putting that out. I'll there shave my head. Oh, I'll shave my save head. Save that if Kevin, audio. If Kevin Durant goes back to Oklahoma City. Oh, we're gonna well, we'll have a video podcast over at Yahoo. I like, <laughs> I like this. I like this. All of a sudden, I get fired from all of my jobs. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let me finish uh, with Kawhi Leonard. Uh, we're a couple weeks removed from. Uh, the Kawhi deal, um, you know, all the the dumb talk out there, Sarah, about Kawhi sitting out the season has uh, has quieted. But now that we have like kind of a big picture, Kawhi is going to show up. There's reports that he's talking to Nick Nurse, asking him a lot of questions. How much better are the Toronto Raptors with Kawhi Leonard? I hesitate to say significantly. But sometimes in my gut, I want to. I mean, think about what, and I have a tremendous amount of respect for DeMar DeRozan. I think he... Um, is an excellent player that obviously did so much for that franchise. He transformed his game quite a bit with that revamped offense that we saw out of Toronto last year, which you could, I assume, expect the same since much of it was um, integrated by Nick Nurse. But think about how much we talked about the improvements of DeMar DeRozan and him shooting threes and just needing to take more threes. Um, What Kawhi can do offensively for that team, let alone even getting to the defensive end. But stretching the floor, the three-point line, I loved everything. I mean, I know it it came from Nick Nurse, and of course he's going to have a positive attitude about their conversation. But I love the fact that he said Kawhi was asking, how are you going to use me? Where are Mm -hmm. you going to get me the ball? What are we going to run? You know, Nick Nurse going through all the different types of actions and sets and things that they could do to get – to me that shows just how Kawhi – is now engaged in ways in which he can help this team be successful. And I, Kawhi, I think we had seen so little of Kawhi last season, and there's been so much talk about his injury that assuming he comes back healthy, we forgot what a monster of a player he is, let alone thinking about what he does for you defensively. And Toronto was a, a very solid defensive team. I like the fact they got Danny Granger. And... 
you know, for, Danny Green. Danny Green. Danny Green, right? Green yeah. Sorry. Oh, you get Danny, Danny Granger, Granger too. He's available. <laughs> Call up Indiana. <laughs> um, but but you look at this Toronto team in the fa- and I certainly like Jakob Pertl, but the fact that that's really all that they had to give up and they kept so much of that bench and the young core and you know their second unit of players. I I just I really think that. I, this is, I know it was a risk because you may only have him for one year, but I, li- I like what Masai Ujiri did. I like the, the chance that he took. He felt like they hit their ceiling on the group that they had. Uh, so I, I think Toronto is somewhat as you would expect anyway, but to really watch in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, look, I think there's a tier in the Eastern Conference, a split tier, and Boston and Toronto are on one tier and everybody else is on another. That was a 59-win team. That they added, you, as you, you said. T- do you think Philly is well below? Where, no, where do you I, I stack think, Philly? I mean, Philly, I keep going back to the fact they got blitzed by a Boston team without its two best players. Like, I mean, I don't know how, and I don't think the Sixers got measurably better unless Ben Simmons comes back as like a 35% three-point shooter. They also you know, lost, they, I feel like the pieces that, yeah, I mean, we don't need to get under, Philly that no, much. I'm but like, under, Ilya Sova not being there, Bellinet, like underrated, but a lot of their shooting, like we talk so much about Ben Simmons and the shooting, they they did lose a decent amount of shooting. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think they're on the second tier. I think Milwaukee's a little bit better because I think Budenholzer is the right coach for that team. He's such a great tactician yeah. that if you if you remove the fact that he's not a very good you know general manager slash president, um, he's, he's great on the sidelines. So I like them, but they're still on that second tier. Toronto's right there, and people in Boston will tell you that they're they're now a scarier team if Kawhi Leonard's all the way back because he's he's a a, a terrific offensive threat, but he's also a defensive stopper that can shut down yes. a Tatum, a Gordon yes. Hayward, whoever you want to uh, put him up against. The the wild card is is Nick Nurse. I mean, I I don't I, I know enough about Nick Nurse to know he's widely respected. I did this uh, piece last year where I I, I pulled a whole bunch of executives, to ask them the next great head coaching candidate among the assistant ranks. Nick Nurse won in a landslide, so he's he's clearly widely respected amongst his peers out there. But we just don't know until we see him out there on the floor. How does Kawhi connect with him? But all that being said, I, I know we don't like to, to lump the two guys together, Paul George, Kawhi, they're different situations, different teams. There's no Russell Westbrook. But what I wrote last year and, and, and said last year is still applicable now. I didn't believe for a second that Paul George was going to walk away from a successful Oklahoma City team to go to the Lakers who might not have anybody. I feel the same way about Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. I don't see Kawhi Leonard walking away from a 55-60 to win Toronto Raptors team in a conference he could be the best player in to go to the Lakers to be teammates with LeBron and play in that conference. It could happen, but the, the people out there that think it's like fait accompli that say the Raptors were stupid, I mean... It's just nuts to me. What about you? I I hear from so many people that are connected with Kawhi or know people in his inner circle that are just absolutely hell-bent on the fact that he wants to be in L.A. And whether that's the Lakers, I think whenever we say Los Angeles, we automatically assume the Lakers. To me, I think the Clippers have just as much of a shot uh, of him if he really desires that badly to go back to Los Angeles then you know, I, I think that you can look at both of those teams. I agree with you. Um, one in the sense of the opportunity to be the best player in the Eastern Conference, to play for a a winning team and a potentially you know a team that could get to the finals, um, Eastern Conference finals and finals, 
in the Raptors. I also think that we we obviously don't know much about Kawhi. We don't know much about him as a person. He he doesn't allow us, which, which I have no problem with. Um, but to get in, he's a he he grew up in L.A. He went to San Diego State. He all he really knows is Southern California and San Antonio. So I think anytime someone is outside of of what they know and has an opportunity to see a different environment or look at a different organization um there is always a chance that he says oh maybe you know maybe this isn't that bad or even the fact that you know with toronto i don't know maybe he doesn't decide he wants to stay in toronto but to me i think things become a little more wide open when someone is in a different setting for an entire season And, and this is no knock on the spurs but for as um, you know, tenuous as that situation got over the course of last season, but just in general, the the things you hear now after the fact of different areas that he maybe wasn't satisfied with, or things that he wanted, or how he wanted to be treated. I think that going somewhere else and just getting a different understanding and perspective from an organization can open your eyes up to different things that you want or that are important to you or that are relevant. And and to me, Kawhi. It, he is such a elite, elite player that going somewhere that they have a shot to win. And if he likes his surroundings, if he likes his teammates, I, I think anything is possible. Do I, would I bet on him going back to LA? Absolutely. But I, I, it goes back to the fact, I like the move Masai made. I, I think it was a, and maybe he could have handled it differently uh, in retrospect, but I, I think this was a great shot for the organization to say we were at a max and this is our next step to try and get to a NBA finals. Oh, we're in total agreement on, on the move Masai made because you know, they had, they had plateaued and they weren't in the same class I, that Boston was going to be. And I don't mean to cut you off in your thought yeah. I, to me, more of the wild card that I'm curious to see. And this may be more so in the early part of the season, Nick nurse, the thing that I think Nick nurse has going for him or the organization in general, they'll run. He, he was with the team. So he, mm-hmm. the players know him. Um, the players, obviously I would assume if, if he was elevated, like him, trust him, respect him, connect with him. He needs to figure out connecting with Kawhi, but I think that would be a, a challenge for any coach. And, and obviously from the sounds of it, early conversations have gone well, what they're running. It's not like he's putting in an entire, so they've had a full year to figure out exactly how they want to do things on both ends of the court. But that, that revamped offense, it, it's, it's the same. They're not making a whole lot of changes to that. I'm interested to see how Kyle Lowry reacts uh, after what had happened, losing his best friend, I mean, a teammate, well-documented how close him and DeMar are off the court, on the that plays into just your attitude, how you show up every day, how you feel with your teammates, and so I I hope that he can continue to play at the level that he had been playing at, if elevated even more. Uh, but to me, that's what I'm most interested to see. If there is any drop off, if there's any you know bitterness or lagging on the part of Kyle Lowry, and if that at all affects him or affects the team on the court. Fascinating team. No question about it, and I, I just think they're going to be successful if if Kawhi is all the way back, and if they are successful, my experience, you know, the people that are talking, the the sources that are out there speaking for a player, are not necessarily speaking views reflective of the player, and I've I've long believed that, you know, look, if if Kawhi doesn't get hurt, 
we're not having this conversation. He probably signs the five-year Supermax with San Antonio, which is the smallest of small markets. And people who have never been to Toronto or don't know Toronto, it's a great freaking city. Like, it's a great place to to live. Yeah, it's cold, but, you know, who cares? Like, two months out of the year, deal with it. And, you know, everybody kind of moves on. Sometimes I think that's overblown. Maybe it's because I'm from Chicago. Yeah, yeah. Northeast people, we're, we're, we're tougher than them, Sarah. We're... We're thicker skin than those people. Not not a whole lot more hair on your <laughs> end. But. On that note, uh, Sarah, I appreciate you coming in. By the way, you're also you, you, you're trying to go do multiple sports now here, too. You're doing football for Fox? Is yeah, that, is that a little the bit thing? Of something. He's going to do, uh, what is it, Brad, the first? Uh, yeah, week one, uh, Tennessee at Miami. Mm-hmm. I'm psyched. And you're, so this is going to be all season? No, it's not going to no. be all season. Oh, all right. So I figure no. you can't take on that much. No, you... we got we got the the NBA season takes uh, takes priority. <laughs> that, I, that, I that, can't check, be that check is nicer. That check is nicer. <laughs> it's not yeah. about the checks. It's about the love. Not about oh, the checks. Oh yeah, it's, it's about, about the, the love. It's okay, a, it's about love of the game. Love, love of the, the game, game. <laughs> shooter, shooter manics. You know that. You know that. Oh yeah. Well, thanks for coming in, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> okay, so Arash Markazi is someone you know from sites like Instagram.com. <laughs> Twitter.com, maybe even Facebook.com. When he's not there, you can uh, read him covering the Lakers over a little site called ESPN.com. Arash joins me here on the podcast. Hi, Arash. Hey, how are you? Was that a, a accurate well, in- intro? Yeah, I guess, you know what? I will say when people come up to me, they go, oh, you're great on Twitter. You're great on Instagram. And I'm like, I also sometimes write articles, and I really hope you read it. But that's where we're at in 2018. So I'm, on, I'm on TV so often. You can catch me on radio. <laughs> uh, it's not just uh, – but you've, you've, you've made your bed with this Instagram stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, – would you care to explain to people why and who are these women that you're with all the no, time? No, listen, I think it's, you know, I, I like to have a good time. We're in Los Angeles. I'm in Las Vegas. I kind of carved out this beat where I'm in Los Angeles or Las Vegas. And so, um, yeah, I have uh, a lot of friends who are, uh, you know, like to post pictures of themselves on Instagram. And uh, I don't know whether you would call them Instagram models or whatever. But, you know, we like to have fun. We go to shows. We go get something to eat. Sometimes I post a picture of it on Instagram. Um yeah, I don't know how it became a thing, but it definitely has become a thing, I guess. And to be clear, though, you say, like, I'm in L.A., here's what I'm doing, or in Vegas, here's what I'm doing. I have, and I can't think of a specific example. I've seen you in a far-flung place with, like, a five foot ten brunette. Um, the weirdest one was in London at Wimbledon, and I was covering it, and someone, like, was got into my direct message um, and was like, would you like to hang out? And listen, I mean, nothing uh, crazy, but then I'm like, all of a sudden, like, I'm taking pictures with uh, some, uh, you know, attractive females in London. I'm like, I, I don't live in London. I haven't been here in 10 years. But, you know, sometimes, as you know, we've known each other a long time. I find myself in weird situations. I don't know how it happened, but I'm enjoying life. And uh, I see where life t- takes me sometimes. Was that fortune cookie wisdom? There? I don't know what happens. I never plan this stuff. I really don't ever plan it. It just happens. My, Arash Markazi, his DMs are open. Right? <laughs> Seriously. See, this is, I, I don't think that your demo is listening to this podcast. I think it's like. No, there's no way. <laughs> you're going to get like 18 to 34 year old men. Exactly. Like, like, man, let's hang. I'm like, wait, I, I'm not talking about you and, you know, fantasy football advice and uh so yeah for that go to espn.com read my stuff send me comments there um you do cover the lakers and i've been doing it out here in la for for a while 
Um, it's where it's at like the one month mark of LeBron James uh, being in Los Angeles. Signs there, four year, hundred fifty four million dollar deal. Makes um, a strong commitment to L A. And L A. responds by putting together. The Island of Misfit Toys. Yeah. I mean, right? I mean, they put together Rondo and they bring in Michael Beasley and, you know, uh, Lance Stevenson, all surrounding LeBron James, where they plan to revolutionize what it's like to play LeBron James basketball. Give me your perspective on uh, the LeBron signing and everything the Lakers have done up until this point. So I think Los Angeles was so excited when they got LeBron because we'd gone through a, a five year period, not only when they were one of the worst teams in the league, but could not sign a single free agent of. No, I'm not going to include Timothy Mozgov and Lou Aldang in there. So the fact that they got him, there was this huge high. And I want to say there was a little bit of a letdown when it was like Lane Stevenson and Rajon Juan, uh, uh, Rondo and JaVale McGee and Michael Beasley. And that, not because um, I think there's a lot of question marks around these players and like how will they fit. And so is this a championship contending team? I mean, we thought that this was sort of like step one was LeBron and step two was maybe Paul George or maybe Kawhi Leonard. And so for the step two, three, four, five, six to be these guys, a lot of question marks. I do think it'll be a fun season. I do think it's, uh, I think you've touched on it, a very combustible roster that I think very early on in the season. I mean, I covered Lance when he was with the Clippers. It doesn't work out. I'm not saying like, I, I think people in Los Angeles are thinking we're getting these guys at their prime. Um, and that's not the case. And so I think it'll be a fun season. I think for the first time in a long time, this is a relevant team that's a championship contending team. At the beginning of the season, we'll see how it plays out. But yeah, I mean, there was sort of like a letdown. It was like, oh my God, LeBron's coming to Los Angeles. And then the other moves were just a big question mark. It doesn't, I mean, to be fair to the Lakers, it, you know, these are not long-term contracts. No, they're all one-year deals. Everything's a one-year yeah. deal. And that certainly helps. But you know, they're looking to the summer of 2019. And one of the reasons I've been critical of the Lakers and these signings is that you mentioned their inability to get free agents for many years. One thing free agents look for is they look for functionality within a franchise. They look for a team they can go to, especially guys that are hitting that, that second contract, 28, 29 years oh. old, looking at the final prime years of their career. And the Lakers have the potential this year to, to look like the romper room out there. I mean, just look like, you know, one drama leads to another yeah. drama. You've got Luke Walton, and we'll get to him in a minute. But, um, I, I mean, how much credence to put to that? Because, look, Paul George is a Palmdale, California native who admitted over and over again he grew up loving the Lakers. He wouldn't even take a meeting with them. Now, I understand Oklahoma City has a lot to do with that. Russell Westbrook has a lot to do with that. But to not take a single meeting, but it wouldn't have hurt anyone. He could have yeah. signed with Oklahoma City on July 7th as opposed to July 1st, could have committed uh, then. To not take a meeting, I think that says as much about what Paul George thought of the Lakers as what Paul George thought of Oklahoma City. Here's what I thought was so interesting about the LeBron signing is that he did not meet with Luke Walton, which leads me to believe this wasn't really about the Lakers so much as what he wants to do post-career. Now, I'm, I, I do believe he thinks this could be a championship contending team at some point, but this wasn't a move based. I think we thought maybe if they get Kawhi, they can get LeBron. I don't, like, LeBron didn't care if they got Kawhi. He doesn't care who the coach is. Like, he wants to be here and he has plans here. He wants to build his production company. He wants to build his his brand is here in Hollywood now. Um, that being said, you bring up a great point. I mean, Paul George, I mean, when you watch that behind the scenes documentary, for him not to just sit down and have a meeting, apparently his mind was made, but there's this feeling like, 
man, like, I thought you wanted to come to Los Angeles. So that's making me question the whole Kawhi thing. Now, we don't even know what Kawhi's really thinking. I mean, no, no one's really talking to him. We, we hear what the sources say about him. But um, so I don't know. Like, the LeBron move wasn't just about the Lakers so much as, like, this is where I want to be long term. Yeah, and you bring up Kawhi, and I think the Lakers, and I've said this before, I think they're taking a massive risk in not going to the Spurs and saying, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, uh, protected first-round pick uh, for Kawhi. I mean, given what it took to get Kawhi out of yeah. uh, San Antonio, I think that type of package would have been... Brandon was the one guy with, from everyone I talked to. I mean, they, they, they could have done... I mean, they were willing to do Kuzma, Hart, multiple firsts. They, they love Brandon Ingram. That is the one untouchable guy on that roster. That's crazy to yeah, me, though. I like, know. he's a good player. Yeah. Like, the former number two overall pick in the draft, a guy that averaged 16 and a half per game this past season, made big strides, but he has put up numbers on terrible teams. No, I agree. And you're effectively replacing him with a 27-year-old Kawhi Leonard. So it's yeah. not like you're leaving a vacant spot with a 30-something. You're not going to get a guy at the back end of his career. Yeah. Presumably, you're going to get Kawhi for the next five, six, maybe seven years or whatever it is. I think it's a mistake because, you know, just like with, with Paul George, I think there are plenty of people around Kawhi Leonard that would love to see him in Los Angeles. I think if oh, you asked at the start of free agency, if you asked people around Paul George, they would have said probably Los Angeles because maybe they want to see him in Los Angeles. The Raptors now have 11 months to convince Kawhi Leonard that Toronto is the place for him. Yeah. 11 months to build a franchise around him, to sell him on the future of this franchise. And people that are criticizing Toronto, I mean, go to freaking Toronto. Toronto is a great no, city. Yeah. It sucks in January and February weather-wise, yeah. but it is consistently one of the top 25, 30 cities in the entire world. Yeah. So he's not going to basketball Siberia out there. He's going to a pretty good spot. Yeah, I've seen it go one of two ways. I thought when Dwight got traded to Los Angeles, no one leaves Los Angeles. This is the Lakers. This is where, And then for him to go to Houston... It can go one of two ways, right? And so I think with the Lakers, and this ceiling is awfully high, and I'm just putting it out there because this is who they believe he could be. They think KD is the ceiling for Brandon Ingram. So if you believe that Kawhi will, will, will come in 2019, and you're thinking, like, LeBron, Kawhi, Brandon Ingram, we keep Kuzma, and like, that's what they're thinking. But you're right. I mean, I think they have a short shelf life with LeBron being LeBron. And if it's three years... You've already wasted one year. I mean, I think we can both agree this is not a championship contending team. I think it's barely a playoff team. I agree. That, and that's what I keep hearing, too. Now, that would be, uh, I can't begin to tell you. And well, again, we've seen it in Los Angeles when they got Dwight Howard and Steve Nash. If you told us that that team would just slide into the playoffs and get swept in the first round, I would have called you crazy. And so we've seen it happen here before. That, that being said, I mean, if this team doesn't make the playoffs, I mean, like, they're so excited here because they're finally a contending team. To your point, I, I don't know how big of a contending team they will be with the cast of characters that they have right now. One of the things that LeBron James was able to do in recent years with his uh, decision, the letter in Sports Illustrated specifically, he gave you kind of hints about the guys he wanted to play with, right? In that SI story with Lee Jenkins, he said, you know, looking forward to playing with Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson. Mm -hmm. Didn't say Andrew Wiggins or Anthony Bennett. They yeah. were subsequently traded. We didn't we didn't get that this time around. So we, we don't really even heard from him to be honest. Yeah, we don't really know who LeBron is is looking at playing with as he tries to put together a championship roster. Um, that's number one. The, the second part of it is we don't know if LeBron. You mentioned he hasn't talked to Luke Walton. Didn't talk to Luke Walton Before prior to signed, prior yeah. to signing. 
kind of incredible to me that that conversation uh, doesn't at least take place on some level. You, what's your understanding of of the steadiness of the ground that Luke Walton walks on these days? It's going to be tough, and I think he will definitely be challenged this season. I mean, like, um, he's going to have to control that locker room, and I 100% believe if he hasn't already made that call to Phil Jackson – because, I mean, Phil called him his son. I mean, that's how close that they, they were. So I think he will yeah, lead. LeBron, LeBron's a big fan of Phil Jackson. Huge, <laughs> I huge, know, well, huge Phil Jackson I think guy. he will lead on him for advice. He won't actually. Maybe don't bring him into. He won't invite him in. Not invite Del Segundo for uh, uh, exactly. a But I, I, I think, you know, how do I deal with um, a challenging locker room where he, listen, he's not going to be viewed as the coach. When LeBron James is your player and outside of having pop, Pat Riley, Phil Jackson, probably there's like a, a handful of guys who you would say, okay, they're the coach. Outside of that, Ty Lue, who I love, like he wasn't viewed as the coach. So, I mean, Luke Walton is even in a worse situation than that because Luke was drafted with LeBron. He was in the same draft class. So um, when I heard that they didn't talk, it just confirmed to me what I felt was this was, I mean, listen, he wants to win. This wasn't a decision made on winning. This wasn't him chasing a ring. This is him chasing post-career, and he wants to, you know, go out with Leonardo DiCaprio and Al Pacino and go to catch, and, like, well, what do I... Again, he, when it's time to play, he will play, but this wasn't a decision on, I want to win two more rings. If he wins one, it would be a shock. I, I look at Walton, and to me, the Lakers have to either get fully behind him or get the hell out because this mm-hmm. is this is going to be a challenging year. Yeah. They are not going to come out of the gates, you know, well over 500. I think they, there's a real chance that come Christmas time they might be hovering right around 500. Yeah. It takes time to build a team around a player like LeBron, especially one that is flying in the face of all sorts of LeBron convention. I mean, you know, smart coaches, Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, built a small ball lineup around LeBron James. In Cleveland, they mirrored that. They did a lot of the same things. Kevin Love, stretch four, spaced the floor around LeBron. There's going to be less spacing around LeBron James this year than ever before in his professional career. So that's going to take some time. And you've got to kind of be deed up for that because Luke Walton is going to get criticized for this. So if, if you think that Luke Walton, after you know working with him this past year, if you're Magic and Rob Palenka, if you think Luke Walton is an excellent coach, get behind him fully. Back him up. Don't yeah. listen when everybody when when everything starts coming down him. But Arash, they haven't acted like that in the last year. I mean, the last no. year when when all that Lavar stuff came down, it took them a long time. It took him a long time to really back him. He, they do that this year under this kind of microscope. Yeah. It's going to unravel. Here's the big difference, Chris. I mean, listen, like with Lavar says something crazy, you you kind of want to say like, do we even respond to what this what this guy is saying? It becomes a significant issue if LeBron, and he's not going to say it, I mean, he's going to maybe hint at it, or he's going to drop hints that this isn't working, or this isn't the system, or whatever. If LeBron says something about the coach, that's a problem. And so um, this will be a very challenging situation for not only Luke, but also the management, if they have someone else in mind. And I don't know if they do. Um, that was my number one thing when, I, when I'm looking at this team. It's like, man, is, can Luke – because I thought he was the perfect coach for a young team. I don't know if he's the right coach for this particular team right now. Well, I mean, we'll find out. I mean, LeBron has – you know, in Cleveland, he got his way a lot, both yeah. in the first incarnation and the second one. Um, you know, Magic is a strong personality. Rob Palenka is a strong personality. But they're going to have to decide early on – if they're going to take input from LeBron and stuff like this, because in Miami, they didn't, you know, in Miami, and I've said this before, I mean, 
LeBron, I mean, we all know LeBron wanted to get Eric Spolster fired. That That is a fact, and, and Pat Riley backed him 100%. Mickey Arison backed him, uh, backed Spolstra 100%. That has to take place in Los Angeles. If you don't believe Luke's the guy, fire him now. Go out and hire yeah. somebody that you— Well, I, I go back to that Dwight Steve Nash year where poor Mike Brown, what did he get? Three games, four games. Gone. I mean, he was gone. And so, listen, if you if you don't believe uh, he's the guy, or to your point, if, if listen, they, they will go through a tough patch. Like that's guaranteed. Like I don't know how this season will play out. They will go through a rough stretch of games where they're one and six or something. If you don't think he's your guy and you can't survive that without saying, okay, who else is on our short list? To your point, you got to move on. They they won't. <laughs> this is their guy right now. But you got to believe this is your guy. I mean, he could be a young great coach but if you don't give him the rope because this is a challenging locker room then why have him here all right let me ask you about uh lonzo ball who uh, you mentioned brandon ingram is viewed as an untouchable in the laker organization where does lonzo ball fit in all that i mean you know from untouchable to get him the hell out of here where does yeah, he fall i don't think he's at to get him the hell out of here but the the the, the whole lavar thing is a challenge it's a challenge that They've tried to talk to LeVar about. I don't think he really cares about their two cents on that. Um, I also think they are still high on him. I think like when he was healthy, they loved what he was doing. They love his intangibles. They love his 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 ability to lead. He's not like his dad. The players in that team love him. The whole Kuzma Lalonzo thing was a joke, but it was a joke that they took too far. Um, Again, that that goes back to like immaturity, put, but, yeah, but but putting out a professional face. Yeah, like free agents don't look at that. Now I wrote this before, like that. You know, you don't want to all of a sudden become a hall monitor for rap battles. Like sure, you don't want to be in the middle of that. And um, I, I think that's a, a factor moving forward too. Yeah. So they they do like him, but again, he would be a player that they would quickly. I mean, if 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 they could have done that San Antonio deal with with Kuzma, Lonzo Ball. Heart. I mean, they like Brandon Ingram's the one guy they didn't want to give up, and so Lonzo, they 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 do like him. I keep hearing like he's a bust or he had a terrible rookie year. If his dad wasn't Lavar, I think we would view him as having a good, decent rookie season. Um, and you will probably know this: um, the Rajon Rondo Lonzo relationship will be interesting because I think Lonzo could learn a lot from Rondo. Will Rondo be in the mindset to teach Lonzo? And 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 I mean, I they both can't shoot worth a lick, but it would be interesting because Lonzo could learn a ton from Rajon Rondo. Well, Rondo is a terrific mentor, and he's been that at the last few stops. The common thread, though, has been a starter at the last few stops, yeah. and. You know, if you make Rajon Rondo a bench player at this stage of his career when he's still looking for that one more big contract, I think it's going to be problematic. And I don't look at Rondo and Lonzo Ball as being players that can play together like Rondo and um, Drew Holiday did in New Orleans this past year. And I think that has the potential to be, you know, when I say combustible, that's one of the bigger parts. I mean, Lance and LeBron is just kind of goofy. I don't yeah. know if that's going to, you know, blow up. But Rondo, at his stage of his career... And Lonzo at his stage with Lavar in the mix. I mean, how angry did Lavar get last year when his kid started fifty of the fifty-two games he played in yeah. and averaged thirty-five minutes per game? I mean, what happens? And, and and look, you know this. Like LeBron, one thing we know about him 
is that he craves playing with intelligent players. And there are few players more intelligent than Rajon Rondo. So he may have his warts to his game, shooting being one of them, but he is an incredibly smart player who has a championship on his resume. Fourth quarter of games, I would imagine if LeBron has a voice in this, his voice is going to be leaning towards Rajon Rondo. I I totally agree. And by the way, LeVar will will talk because... um there's no way that he's not going to talk. And did, so, they, did they solve that towards the end of the season? I mean, the, the so early part. The so here's here's um, they, they don't allow him to talk while he's on the court. Security actually monitor. Like, if you were to go up to him and even shake his hand and not even take out a recorder, they're like, you got to move it along, which is cr- – I've never seen that happen before. That being said, we all have his number if he's walking into the, the – arena if he's at a camp if he's doing something else these questions are going to come up and unfortunately they do traffic folks and when they do traffic and people care what he says it's a question that will come up and so um listen they've 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 talked to him at the end of the day if we ask him a question and he responds by saying rajon rondo is trash why are they playing him and not my son of I'm sorry, we're going to report that. I'm sorry to say that. We're going to report that, and it's going to be a big story that's going to do more traffic than pretty much of anything else. And so um, I don't know how that gets solved because he will comment. And if he, I was even surprised he was in Lithuania for as long as he was because he wasn't in, in the news. I said at some point he's going to come back. He's not in the news. It's been one month. He's going to talk. So that's going to be a problem too. And even in Lithuania, he did the interview with Jeff Goodman yeah. that was critical of – of uh, Luke, Luke Walden, yeah. and it still blew up. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, I, I would I would imagine he's going to say something about Rajon Rondo if Rondo is is getting those minutes, and I believe he will uh, because of that intelligence. Uh, yeah. You know, Rondo. The, the the dirty little secret about Rondo is that, and, and New Orleans felt this when they didn't make him a competitive offer. You get playoff Rondo in the postseason. That's awesome but you don't know what you're going to get for 82 games. Yeah. Like Rondo in the re- regular season, Rondo is yeah. an entirely different animal. Than the interesting thing Rondo. is he was the player that Kobe always wanted to play with because yeah. Kobe loved Rondo. Because he's, he's mentally Exa- tough as they the come. Same kind of he player. hates everybody. Yeah. He doesn't want to slap hands with you. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want to be friends with you. I can't, I, I can't count the number of times, even in the, the, the open portion of the locker room, where Rondo has kind of snapped at one of his teammates for not being focused enough, for being too talkative with the press before games. Yeah. Um, he is locked in. Look, and that's that's the good part for this Laker. Group. I was gonna say they this this team, um, as much as fans liked them and they were like good and young, they were too comfortable losing. Mm-hmm. They were way too comfortable. Like they, it would, there, there would be a loss, and like Josh Hart would be playing Fortnite, and they would be you know you know having room service, and you know it. You can't be comfortable losing, and Rondo, I I, I hope will get on these guys' case. Like listen, like. I didn't come here to lose. I didn't come here to be the seventh seed or the eighth seed or whatever. And so, um, yeah, I, I wonder if that's the conversation that they had with him. Because, listen, he's, not, he, he's one of the smartest players in the league. As you know, like, he knows he's coming to a team with some good young players. What is his role? And, listen, if he's the best guy on the team, he's going to play. That being said, like, can he help Lonzo Ball in his d- development as well? Let me finish with this. The... You know, this is all about the summer of 2019. That's yeah. when they, they you know, get their for next free agent. That's when they build themselves a winner. Um, 
Who do you think is the the as you look around the landscape there? Who do you think they like? Who do you think they'd like to pair LeBron James with moving forward? Well, I mean, Kawhi's the name that keeps coming up. The the other name I keep going to is uh, Clay Thompson. Obviously, I tease his dad all the time. He's an employee of the team. You know, is is his son going to come? Perfect player, I think, with LeBron. Um, I'm very uh, going to be. I'm interested to see if I don't want to call the LeBron James signing like a one time thing, but. To your point, the fact that Paul George didn't take that meeting and the fact that I believe that LeBron was going to come here regardless. Like, I think, like, remember remember when he went back to Cleveland and it didn't matter that Dan Gilbert was, like, he was going to go back to Cleveland. He was going to come to Los Angeles. I don't think people... Jerry West was right. You know, what Jerry West said about that where he said, you know, LeBron chose L.A., not the Lakers. 100%. And so I, I, I think... Who else is kind of in that boat? Like, does Clay really want to come back to Los Angeles? Does uh, Kawhi really want to come play in Los Angeles? Uh, you know, like, who wants who wants to come here to play with LeBron? And so I think Kawhi is their number one target. They've made no secret about that. Clay, Jimmy Butler. I mean, these Kevin Durant. This, uh, you know, things. Are I don't think come Durant's. Up. Going I agree out. with I that, but you know, so it's like you know. Uh, who else? Um, you know, but listen, I think it's a huge, it's a huge free agent yeah. crop. The, the question is going to be, and I think one of the factors in all this that doesn't get enough, uh, you know, doesn't get talked about enough is, you know, especially in the case of a guy like Durant, but maybe even Clay Thompson, you know, when they get to the three championship level, they want to start competing with LeBron James. I mean, yeah. they all want to be the Kobe mm-hmm. of this generation, the Michael of this generation, the guy that leaves this crop of players with the most championships. I, I think, and maybe it's not an overriding factor, but a big factor in decision-making is, do I want to go to L.A. and help him win, or do I form, want to mm. form my own team somewhere else and eclipse him in championships? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're coming to Los Angeles, you know you're going to be, like, the number two guy. And so if Kawhi wants to be the guy... And he wants to come to Los Angeles. He would most likely go to the Clippers, right? And if Clay, the, the tough thing for Clay, right? I mean, he's the number three and maybe the number four guy in some people's books. I mean, like if you want to be like the number two guy, come to, to Los Angeles. And so, um, but the Warriors are so good. I mean, I mean the, it was so interesting. Him here in Los Angeles, they they signed LeBron and everyone's excited. Not that they were gonna compete with the Warriors, but then the DeMarcus Cousins thing. And for whatever reason in Los Angeles, it was like this, ugh, this season doesn't matter. And it was like a, a, around the league, there was that feeling that, ugh, okay. Well, it, I mean, it doesn't. I mean, that's a separate topic. But I yeah. mean, that this is a foregone conclusion this season, unless it's a major injury. By the yeah. way, um, why are people in Los Angeles such jackasses when it comes to murals? Like, why? Oh, so this is, is interesting. So this is, um, and I still get this today, and Laker fans want to play revisionist history, and I still have friends who are coming to grips with LeBron James as a Laker because for 15 years or 10 years or whatever the case may be, LeBron v. Kobe, as ridiculous as that may be to some people, outside of Los Angeles, that's a real debate, and it's Kobe, and it's Kobe for life. And if you go against Kobe, like... And again, some people make the mistake, and I understand where they're coming from, saying they're not Laker fans, they're Kobe fans. I'm sorry, they're one and the same. He played for the Lakers for 20 years. They are Laker fans and Kobe fans, but they're hardcore Kobe fans. Like, they're not just going to, like, let it go and, like, now root for LeBron. They can't rep both. And so um, they shouldn't deface the mural, but it will be interesting. Chris, February, I did a poll on Twitter, and I said, listen, and people can vote if they – but. 
It was it was forty three percent did not want LeBron. You're talking about a Lakers team that had not won a playoff game in six years, had not been in the playoffs in five years, or one of the worst teams in the league for five years. And I'm saying the best player on the planet wants to sign with you guys, and forty three percent almost half like nah, we're good. And it goes back to that whole Kobe like. Kobe's my guy. Forget LeBron. LeBron's a bum, a fraud, whatever. Three and six in the finals. Ridiculous as that is. So at some point that will change. But there is going to be a segment of fans here in Los Angeles that ride or die with Kobe. And his two, three, four years in Los Angeles will not change that. I mean, they understand that LeBron is not going to displace Kobe in Laker lore. Kobe was a Laker his entire career. Whereas LeBron is a four or five year mercenary at at most. I mean, it's just not the same thing. And I don't know how many other players have that in sports where... um, I mean, and it is a rabid fan base. I mean, you know, and thankfully or whatever, I've usually, you know, supported Kobe. But, you know, I mean, I've heard from people around the league like, yeah, I mean, I've had a block of uh, like 100 Kobe followers just because if you go against him in whatever way um, and say that, you know, if he's not in the discussion for like the best in the world. And the amazing thing, Chris, and I'm mean, probably the same way, like I've heard a lot of reputable people not have Kobe in their top 10. You know, I mean, like, listen, in my view, he's a top five player. Um, but there's a lot of people like, like, you know, they'll put Carl Malone a little higher or whatnot. Kobe fans, like, they'll like, I think that they really search his name and they say, if you don't think he's in the conversation with Michael and LeBron for being the best, screw you. And so the mural thing wasn't shocking to me. And but it, what it has been surprising is the number of fans who are like saying, no, we love LeBron. It's like, listen, this is a real thing. And I saw it happening before he signed here. And listen, if they win a championship here, I do think that percentage will be so small. But there will be a certain segment of the fan base that are just Kobe, and they love Kobe, and forget LeBron. Yeah, well, I, I, that, that's fine to the handful of, of douches that keep spraying paint, <laughs> spray paint or whatever agree. it is. I mean, it's not—LeBron wasn't out there painting a mural of himself. No, yeah, that. these are fans. Like, you're, you're, you're ruining this perfect oh, artwork that was It's a nice-looking mural. Like, yeah. And even the second one was LeBron looking, looking up, up at these guys. I mean, God, is it necessary to splash white paint all over that? By the way, speaking of Kobe— I find it. I thought the images of him and Jason Tatum working together was interesting. We know that, that is great, right? We know that he's got a, he's got a thing for Tatum, and he respects guys that can score. Uh, did the details you thing know on him? Probably like loved. I mean, when he sees guys step it up in the conference finals and the playoffs and like those big moments, he's an, and Tatum is is an assassin like yeah. that. I mean, he has that that assassin like potential and, and the skill set. But you know, you see Kobe working with Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. with you know Kawhi Leonard. I mean, do we see much of him with the, the Lakers? I mean, how, how around we, is he listen, with them? Listen, this is the most, I, I could count on two fingers. I'm trying to think. The number of games he's gone to, like when they retired his jersey, and I don't even know if he stayed till the end of that game. He's not come around. Will that change? Like, I mean, Rob Palenka was one of his great friends, and so I would imagine a part of him probably doesn't want to just show up and, like, well, what's he going to do there? He doesn't have, like, an official role there. Um and really, towards the end of his career, like, he didn't practice a ton. Like, I still go back to one of, like, the YouTube videos that I recorded, like, where he's at practice, and he's, like, yelling at Mitch Kupchak, give me some help. Like, I'm with these guys, and these guys are soft and whatever. Um, that's why I said Kobe will never be a coach. Now, he'll, like, if a, a young player calls him for help, he will help them. But where are those, like, I mean, maybe, maybe it's happening. I don't know, but I don't see the Brandon Ingram images. I don't see the Lonzo Ball images. I don't see those kind of surfacing. I mean, I would, be shocked. Kuzma, I would, think, I would, would be shocked if they reached out that he would say no. So I, I, I don't know whether it's a, a situation where 
they've either either played with him or worked with him or there's no they don't feel a, a need to but listen I mean I mean Kobe is not that far away if you could drive to him and he's willing to work out with you I mean why wouldn't you do that but some guys are built differently and Jason Tatum I mean you can see it like he can he can see that in him and he's like I want to work with that guy when Jason Tatum saw that detail that Kobe did it was like Christmas in Jason Tatum land That's like awesome. he, he said it he watched it like 25 times no. and look there were even some Celtic coaches that you know, privately, and that happened during the conference finals. We're like, maybe don't watch it so much. Like, work on that stuff that Kobe's talking about in the off season. Sure. Like, don't, don't, don't start trying to reinvent your game yeah. or, or tweak your game in the middle of a seven game series. Pain me as a Los Angelino for a Laker to work with a Celtic, but you know, I don't think we're at the point where that's going to be the renewal of the rivalry quite yet. But still, uh, listen, like him and Rondo was such a, like a, a fascinating thing where they would grab food together, and it's like these guys both don't like players. I mean, the most amazing thing with Kobe was, I could count on one hand the number of guys who've gone to his house. Mm. Like, Derek Fisher, I remember when he rejoined the Lakers. Like, he went to Utah and he came back. And I said, have, have, have you talked to Kobe? He's like, I never really talked to Kobe to begin with. They love to play together. But again, even Derek Fisher could probably count on one hand the number of times he went to his house. He just wasn't close with a lot of guys. Mm. And so I'd be curious if you played with him for a season – um, if you even want to reach out to him, I don't know. I mean, there's a mental approach you can get from him. I don't know that, like, oh, yeah. and I, I find it kind of goofy when I see, like, guys work with Garnett, guys work with Akeem Olajuwon. I mean, there's not a lot you can take from a couple of weeks working sure. with the big, but you can take something about their approach to every practice, their approach yeah. to every game, and uh, take that with you. So, uh, Kobe Bryant loves the Celtics. That's our takeaway uh, from all this, right? <sighs> he sure does. He loves basketball <laughs> history, and that, 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 what was it? The one pre draft of him in, like, that Celtics. Shirt. Yeah, no, he does love history. I, I I would say you brought up Rondo and and how much he doesn't like people. Um, as someone that covered Rondo extensively, uh, LeBron James, if he wasn't one, he was one A on the people of that Rondo did not like That's in those so days. Like did this. not was not at all shy about yeah. you know because he grew up under the uh, the wing of Kevin Garnett and Kevin Garnett hated LeBron like hated him. There's no one on that Celtics team, and I get how vicious that rivalry was. That like. Paul Pierce obviously does yeah. not like LeBron. I mean, I mean, hell, I guess if Kendrick Perkins could play with LeBron, he hated him too. So That's then true. I guess anybody yeah. uh, can. Arash, good to see you, man. Thanks. Follow Arash on Twitter at, at Arash Markazi. Read his stuff at uh, ESPN.com. And as he said, his DMs on Instagram. <laughs> They're open. <laughs> Hit them up, fellas. Thanks, Arash. Thanks. That's it for this week's episode. My thanks to Sarah Kustak and Arash Markazi for joining the show. As always, you can download archived episodes on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, really anywhere you can download podcasts. While you're there, post a comment, leave a rating. You know I appreciate it. And I'll see you next week. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.